Hello Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, The Gun Show. Today my guest is Canadian YouTuber and musician Kelly Day. She's fresh off her trip to the UK where she performed Owen Benjamin's How They Rule Ya at Tommy Robinson's world premiere of his expose on the BBC Panodrama. If you like listening to this podcast, then you are going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here at The Rebel. Now, subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows too, like Ezra's nightly Ezra Levant show. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get 2 Full months free. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. Just go to the rebel.media slash shows to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support The Rebel without having to spend a dime. And now, please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Tommy Robinson uncovers exactly how the mainstream media tries to rule ya. Today, I'm talking with the Canadian performer, who was there at the now-censored Citizen Journalist premiere of his expose on the BBC. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. Flooding conniving and scheming with far left-wing smear merchants to peddle lies as truth and assassinate one's character. That's the story of Tommy Robinson's expose on the BBC's flagship investigative journalism show, Panorama. In his documentary, aptly named Panadrama, Robinson flipped the script and carefully documented and then revealed to the world how these so-called journalists craft a narrative and peddle truth as lies with the direct involvement of radical far left-wing organizations like Hope Not Hate. Robinson revealed his documentary in front of the BBC offices and my boss Ezra Levant was there to tell the whole story of the event when we just can't trust the mainstream media to tell. Ezra was there to tell the truth of the event that saw well over 4,000 people watch Tommy's premiere. And Ezra took with him my next guest. She's a Canadian singer and YouTuber, and she's a prairie girl just like me, although far, far more talented. Joining me in an interview we recorded yesterday is Kelly Day from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Joining me now from Saskatchewan is Prince Albert-based YouTuber, Kelly Day. Hey, Kelly, thanks for joining me. I know that you have sort of been put through the ringer the last five or six days. Um, so I know you're suffering with jet lag, um, but thanks for taking the time today. No, not a problem at all. Thanks for having me on again, Sheila. I'm still kind of 
in that weird surreal zone that happens when you go halfway across the world and come back over the weekend and do a major show. So I'm, I'm happy to be having the interview. So, um, and that's really one of the reasons, well, there, I have probably 10 things that I want to talk to you about today, but I wanted to talk to you because you sort of took, um, the prairies across the pond. You sang at Tommy Robinson's huge rally, um, where he unveiled his documentary that exposes uh, the BBC, really, and their collusion with far left-wing groups. Um, so you were there representing us Prairie Girls. What was that like? What was the crowd like? You said that that was one of the largest crowds you ever sang in front of? Absolutely. It was a massive crowd. And of course, there's numbers jumping all over the place and people are trying to, you know, pin down how many people were there. From my understanding, from police estimates, from everything I'm understanding, it seems to be about 5,000 to maybe six, 7,000 people. As well, it was being live streamed by many people in the audience and different kind of outlets. So my understanding is some of the live streams, you know, 17, 18,000 people. I have no idea how many people were watching beyond just the amount of bodies that were there, but the amount of people physically at this rally was just amazing. And it wasn't just that there were so many people, it was the types of people. They were great, honest, good people. You know, I didn't sit and talk to each of them individually and, and figure out the content of their character, but the, the patriotism, the peaceful nature of the rally, people helping each other out. Uh, there was a, a man with dementia that got lost in the crowd and, you know, they, they came out on the microphone and asked them to help him find his way back. And someone dropped a sign, she was in a wheelchair and you know, one of the coordinators, you know, bent down and picked it up and just the hugs being given and veterans with tears rolling down their face, uh, the chants, the patriotism, everybody cleaned up after. It was just such a good, wonderful experience to, to be around people that are from essentially what is my homeland. My grandfather was born in England and came to Canada when he was about five years old. Um, so most of my heritage is in the UK or close to it. Uh, so to be there with a bunch of people with my good old British nose um, was really fantastic. <laughs> and and of course, for the cause as well, um, you know, Panorama, Panodrama, pardon me, was a great documentary to see it, you know, broadcast like that on that big, big screen, just the energy. Um, and it so aligns with what we're dealing with, with our mainstream media here as well, uh, as you might've heard me rant out a bit mm -hmm. uh, in my last performance, so. Yeah, I, I think we, there, what was happening at the exact same time here in Canada, I think there's some overlay with the treatment of the people who attended Tommy's event. Um, and I'm talking about the convoy to Ottawa. Yes. Um, the whole way, the mainstream media, it, it looked like machinery, just the wheels of the mainstream media working really hard to paint that convoy as something that it wasn't, that it was racist, that, that it was xenophobic. I've even seen allegations that it was homophobic, that it was, you know, neo-Nazis and fascists. Um, when really that was the, it couldn't be further from the truth. And they were finding people that they said were quote unquote organizers, but they never actually took the time to talk to the actual organizers, Glenn Carrot and Haley Weil, who took the time out of their lives to go there. And as I watch the coverage of Tommy Robinson, you can see exactly the same machinery at work, maligning good people they've never even spoke to, um, to discredit Tommy, and they don't really care about the uh, civilian casualties along the way. 
Precisely. And that's exactly the way to put it is civilian casualties. And it's really sick because, you know, I do YouTubing. I made the choice to go across, yeah. um, you know, the sea to do what I knew was controversial. And, and Ezra warned me, you know, you're going to get the hate from people. I'll bring it on. You know, I, I took this on willingly. But when you see a lot of these people that just want to speak out for what they believe in, whatever it might be, and they didn't sign up for this and they're getting attacked. And that's what really bothers me. I've mentioned it um, in the last event I did with, of course, the Rebel Live having these wonderful people, many of them seniors, yeah. uh, speaking about how patriotic they felt and giving me a hug and talking about singing the anthem and to feel the hatred spewed at these people. And of course, you being in Alberta, myself being um, you know, a Saskabusher, us prairie folk, we understand that a lot of people are fairly conservative and sometimes more old fashioned or traditional. Literally, you could take our entire population of um, anyone rural in you know, Alberta, Saskatchewan or other rural places in the country and everyone's just throwing us into this this box of, well, you're you're all neo-Nazis because if any of those people spoke out, they would be labeled. And I'm really tired of seeing that. I find it absolutely despicable. You did a video not long ago about the overuse of the word Nazi when you were yeah. over uh, in Europe and how when you're watching people sing these, these beautiful Jewish hymns or, or songs and you're yeah. actually standing in the presence of that evil that existed and for people to flippantly throw these terms out is is to me evil in itself because you completely discredit every life lost and all of the atrocity that occurred under the name of actual nazis and i'm so sick of hearing you know racism bigotry because even the word racist bigot it's vile it indicates that you are a vile person that you have a hardened heart a blackened heart and I think it's really sick so it's interesting for someone like me a former you know lefty so to speak um, that thought that I wouldn't ever experience something like this you because I am so respectful and kind to everyone and I don't I don't understand how people can just so flippantly call each other these names it's a very eye-opening experience uh, to now see that in another part of the world uh, in such a parallel fashion and I did keep up with uh, the the various um, I guess you could say accusations against the uh, the convoy. Um, I don't know if you know Grizzly Patriot. Mark Friesen is his name. Yeah. Uh, he's was someone that really tried to fight and fight against the mainstream media's narrative. You know, well spoken, and and so many people. Jason LeBlanc, someone my mom taught uh, in elementary school from my hometown in Estevan. These are just really good, average, hardworking, salt of the earth folks, and to just see them being destroyed not just by our media Sheila but by people that are buying into it our fellow citizens and I see this division and yeah. it's just sick it's just sick and the mainstream media is complicit and all of that angry messaging at the BBC I'm trying to be a little more diplomatic but I get it because it's destroying the relationship between citizens and it's so unnecessary it I don't want to toot my own horn um but I guess I'm Go going to I will you know what when people meet me they are often off put by the fact that I'm not some horrible individual like I'm not some angry monster that just gives off these radioactive vibes when they meet me because that's what people people who don't actually watch me and have never spoken to me they they've never actually watched my work on the rebel they only watch or read what other people say about my work on the rebel and then when they meet me they're sort of um taken aback that I'm I'm just like a normal mom <laughs> with three <laughs> kids with a normal life. And I, I'm not, I don't have green eyes and I don't have fangs and I don't have, well, I do sort of have long nails, but <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, nobody goes to the source anymore. I guess that's my point. A lot yeah. of people will 
read things about Tommy and then repeat what they've read about Tommy as though it's gospel fact. They'll do the same thing with the boss. They do the same thing with Ezra. They see those scary photos that somebody takes outside of a courthouse of Ezra, but they've never actually stopped to talk um, to Ezra or gone to the source and seen his reporting and seen sort of how um, affable and goofy he is. Um, yeah. in real life. And I think that's part of the problem. I still think even though the internet is proving to be a great equalizer, I think the media is still the wall we all have to crawl over to get the truth. Well, it's true. And I mean, really, if we're going to be speaking about this rally, Tommy Robinson has now been banned from, I believe, Facebook and Instagram. And yes. it's just, this is just another of, you know, it, it happens all the time. It's been going on for, I don't know how long. I've only been kind of on this side of things for, you know, a year and a half or whatever it is now. But it just seems to be that this censorship idea, it's either hard censorship, whether that means law of some kind or motions or whether it be business, private censorship. And then, of course, there's the third type, which I find to be the most prevalent. And it's sort of what you touched on is just social. Um, essentially, you crucify whoever yeah. You, you speak to it's just a social censorship people feel afraid they feel shame and they question themselves and a common word that gets thrown out is gaslighting and I do believe that is exactly what is happening you make people question themselves well maybe I I am a terrible person maybe I, I need to be you know better and, and do whatever it is they say that I need to do because of course with the shame and the labels comes a lot of advice on how we need to be better in whatever way that the media or that person or that narrative wants to push forward and it makes these really honest good people that have never hurt anyone in a day in their life, people that would take people into their homes, people that are helpful and kind and, and generous, um, good parents, you know, good friends. I could I could go on, you know, forever, hard workers. And you turn them into whatever the vision you have of them is. And often it's created by, um, you know, a media narrative. And sometimes what's happening a lot now is you see that they'll put out stories irresponsibly without knowing all the facts they have to recant it later okay we take that back we saw that of course with the Covington boys down in the states and doesn't matter though by the time you recant it the image is there you've planted a seed and it's very hard for anybody who's not digging in to to ignore that and suddenly you have a whole group of people who maybe don't have time to follow or don't have interest to follow politics and current events and check you know, I check five or six sources for every story just to make sure I get a feel for for bias and on all sides, right? Right wing bias as yeah, well. Yeah. And you have people that just don't don't do that and can't do that, or, or mums that are really too busy and have a full time job and kids with the hockey and they just don't get anything but a couple articles on Facebook. And that's where it's become very dangerous that these articles are allowed to go out and assume people's intention, assume their heart. Um, I think it's honestly a tragedy. I really do because. Most of the people that I've met, not all, but most of the people I've met since coming to the conservative side of things, and England was no different, are just the most charming, warm, incredible, funny, live and let live, liberal-like almost people. And it's just, I, I can't get over how badly their characters get slammed over essentially um, a few issues that people have decided to dominate the empathy field. And if you don't fit into the box, then you're evil, right? So yeah, it's it's very disheartening. I have to admit, I had moments over there where that gravity was um, almost overwhelming, so. Yeah, and I guess moreover to your point about media bias, I don't care if the media is biased. I don't care if the CBC is far left. I don't yeah, just care tell if, me that you are. <laughs> or don't make me pay for it. That's <laughs> also true, yes. <laughs> um, that's fine. Every, you know what? 
at the rebel i'm conservative i admit it uh, i look at the world through a conservative lens i report through a conservative lens i'm not trying to hide it from anybody and if you don't like it you're not forced to watch it and you're not forced to pay for it and i'm fine with that i'm fine knowing that um there are the globe and mail is left-leaning I- i'm perfectly fine knowing that the star is left-leaning here's the problem i have um and that is now the ways that people get news, Facebook, Twitter, um, even YouTube, uh, those are left leaning and those sites are filtering the news or in Tommy's case, censoring him so that people now are only deluged with left leaning news sources in the places where they get the news. Like Tommy's video his panorama video had over 1 million views on Facebook before Facebook nuked him. And I would say that that is probably exactly why they nuked him is because he found a way to go around the BBC and get his voice out. So Facebook immediately stepped in and uh, silenced him. Really, these places are the new public square, whether they like it or not. Um, but they're not acting that way. And, uh, I don't know. I guess my question for you is, what's the solution? Is it regulation? As a conservative, I I have a visceral dislike of regulation of private entities. But this feels a lot more like a monopoly and not a business anymore. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I'm I'm the same way. It's It goes against everything that I want, which is, of course, I don't want the government in more control, yeah. uh, especially since when it comes to media, it seems to be more that they're more worried about things like hate speech, which we already have, of course, you know, the understanding of what real hate speech is, which, of course, I oppose. But now there's this murky water of what can be hate speech. And sadly, that's um, really open and it leads to a very slippery slope of censorship. And I really don't know what the answer is, because it seems like regulation can just go so the wrong way. Um, but I also don't know what to do in the sense of we, I feel like this is now getting to a point where it's so extremely unfair and so obvious that there there has to be something that's done. I don't know the answer um, from a more, I guess you could say, political standpoint or legal standpoint, but I do know that we need more citizen journalists. I do know that they were encouraging, just like in uh, England, encouraging people to get out your cell phone, videotape yeah. things so that no matter what, you can always get the truth out there so that no matter what event it is or what's going on, we have a few versions that slip through the cracks that a few people can see. Um, and don't be afraid to speak out. Like for myself, um, I haven't told all of my family everything I'm doing yet with conservative stuff. I didn't know where the channel was going. And I've just been kind of easing into this whirlwind of, of everything that's gone on the past seven months, I guess it's been. But I'd like to, you know, I've passed this out. Everybody knows that I've done this specific rally. People are saying, how did you get there? How did this come about? And now I find myself, okay, I have an opportunity to explain like you said, the, the first-hand account, I was there, this is what happened, I've met this person, this is how I feel about, you know, these people, this group, this is what I approve of, this is what I don't, here's my values, here's my intention. And it's about making that known, the truth, whatever that is, even if you don't always have the right answer, as long as you're not lying, tell the truth or at least don't lie, isn't that what Jordan Peterson says? You know, just yeah. finding people to be able to provide that perspective so that when the count or the narrative comes up that is so vile and often tainted or even untrue altogether, you have something else to fill in the gaps. And I know it's a slow process, but slowly but surely you can bring people around. The reasonable, rational people 
who don't necessarily want to believe that everyone is a Nazi can can come around. Um, it takes a lot of, of effort, though, and it's really unfortunate that it has to be um, so limited. It's a huge struggle, but it's worth it. Um, I never understood freedom of speech and its importance until this last couple of years, and I think it's really, really worth fighting for. It is about freedom, and if you don't have the ability to speak out against things that are, um, you know, whether it's the government or whether it's establishments, then what are we doing? That's terrifying. That's a terrible slippery slope. I don't know why people don't see that. Um, so I don't have the answer, Sheila. I wish I had the answer, but I will just keep singing and speaking and you're going to keep doing what you do, I know. And I encourage whoever's watching, if you have this on your heart to speak out in whatever capacity, you know, using your own gifts and comfort, um, do so. It's scary, but honestly, it's not so bad. Once you get the same 20 buzzwords, they really start to become kind of boring. So, Yeah, you get a pretty thick skin. Um, I... I my concern, I guess, for the future is the fact that these uh, social media companies have so much power mm-hmm. to determine who gets to speak and who doesn't. And not only that, but behind closed doors, these far left wing activists are really pulling the strings in these social media networks. I was looking this morning because we're recording this Tuesday, so it'll go to air on Wednesday. Um, And Tommy was just kicked off of Facebook and Instagram. I guess the news would have broken today. So on Tuesday. A few hours ago, yeah. Yeah, a few hours ago. And again, at the Rebel, we're going to do everything we can, like we always do, (laughs) to help them. Um, I guess we're his de facto, like, army of fixers for him but there is this activist calls himself a broadcaster his name is Mohammed Shafiq um I went to his Twitter account and he says he's a Muslim broadcaster on TV radio uh, uh, he's a columnist chief executive of the Ramadan Foundation um and he is on the BBC five live and he's a regular contributor for um, Putin's mouthpiece RT and I went and I, I don't know why he made it clear that he's a Muslim broadcaster. I don't make it clear that I'm a Catholic broadcaster. I think people just eventually figure it out. But <laughs> um, what I, I went through his Twitter feed and he said that uh, he had met with Facebook. He did about banning Tommy Robinson and Facebook complied with his request. That's all it takes these days for normal people to just get booted. Some activists with a big platform working for Russia, might I add, can get uh, somebody kicked off of uh, Facebook. And he actually tweeted this seven hours ago. Next meeting to be arranged very shortly is with YouTube and Google here in the UK to ensure that Tommy Robinson is banned from their platforms. So, I mean, the wheels are already in motion. This activist is claiming responsibility for having Tommy Robinson banned. And the worst part is this person claims to be a journalist. They're advocating for free speech, not just advocating for censored speech, but not just that. They're not even just a proponent of censoring speech. They're actually part of the mechanism that does it. It's really appalling. Yeah, it's... it's, um... It's like a version of almost, you know, when you think of really, you know, any movie you've ever watched growing up about the the evils of crony capitalism and the big businessmen and all the dirty deeds going on and behind the scenes. And of course, we know this does happen in real life as well in politics. It's like that, except for specifically, we're talking about a way to silence people, a way to 
completely silence an opposing point of view. And I wasn't necessarily surprised when I found out that it was him who had essentially started this fight against, you know, wanting to get him banned. And I'm not surprised that the company bowed down to it because right now it seems there are certain buzz issues that are, you know, very, very key in the discussion about left versus right thinking, you know, conservative versus liberals, and essentially what is acceptable and what is not to say out loud. And of course, one of those major issues, um, along with, um, I guess you could say feminism is a big one. So the gender stuff, uh, I would say transgender issues are the number one big one. How you feel about that apparently determines whether or not you are worthy of even being alive. So there's that issue. Yeah. Um, there's several others. Immigration is a big one, of course. If you want limited immigration or you have concerns about illegal immigration, that automatically makes you into some sort of bad person. And a big, big one that I'm learning and, and kind of diving into and learning about more this past year is Islam and Islamism and political Islam. And A, a lot of citizens don't know the difference. Um, but B, there is a fair bit of evidence to suggest that we should be at least mildly concerned about Islamism and political Islam in the West. And I've been re reading a lot of Imam Tawidi, uh, who is, of course, the Imam mm -hmm. of Peace. And it's very eye-opening. And sadly, we can't even use those proper terms and speak of this in a very diplomatic way about talking about preventative safety and the very real travesties that have gone on in Europe since, you know, a lot of their uh, mass migration issues uh, 2014 and forward and the deaths that have occurred and the terrorist attacks that have occurred. I mean, this is not a racist issue. This is not an Islamophobic issue. This isn't a white supremacy issue. I just had this discussion brought up by a Zambian receptionist at my hotel room who was so delightful to talk to. I think it was his first Canadian he ever spoke to. And he said, he didn't like London because he said, in his words, there's too many different cultures and bad things are happening. He was there the night before the London Bridge or wherever that bridge attack was where someone mowed down a bunch of people in a van. And he says it's terrifying and all of the stabbings. We found out that we were very close to where some stabbings and acid attacks had happened just a day and a couple weeks earlier. So you have these issues that are going on. They're very real and people want to talk about them. There's I saw a sign in the audience um, at the rally, a woman saying, I'm a moderate concerned parent. And it just made me feel so sad because there was also parents in the audience whose children died at the Ariana Grande concert in the Manchester terrorist attack in 2017, I think it was. And they're getting called far right and racist. And I just... That's sick, you know, so you speak out against something where it's an actual concern. You're not saying all Muslims, you're not saying Islam even in general, and you're not even allowed to talk about the extremist elements of a religion without getting slammed down by your peers um, in a million different ways. And of course, then the media labeling you a racist and an Islamophobe, even though Islam isn't a race, but that's a whole other discussion. So I'm not surprised this is happening to bring it back around because obviously Tommy Robinson, despite this rally being about the BBC, has been bringing up a lot of issues with grooming gangs and things of that nature. And he is trying to fight things like Islamism, as well as Avi Amini, who is a Jewish person trying to also go up against jihad, etc. So you have people that have a specific um, goal and they have gone up quite provocatively against that establishment. And I'm not surprised that they're getting pushback uh, from from the Muslim community, uh, particularly if there are certain maybe sects or certain um, people that are maybe have more of a vested interest, I guess you could say. So I don't know much about this guy you speak of, but I'm I'm not surprised it's this community that's trying to get him to shut up. Um, it's it's sad because at the end of the day, I understand the concern about causing racial divide and cultural divides, and I don't want to see people hating each other or or going to violence. But if you can't tell the truth about 
children being raped, if you can't tell the truth about people going through, um, you know, horrific uh, terrorist attacks and, and, and sometimes resulting in death or parents grieving their children, if you're not allowed to talk about it, you know, in Canada, we have M103, that motion, that sort of soft law that will eventually turn into hard law. Why is this? Why can't we talk about it? And it's, I see a lot of, you know, free Tommy sort of their shirts and there's little logos with that piece of duct tape over his mouth. And here we are, right? He can't talk about it, like him or hate him. It doesn't matter. He's speaking about something that matters to him and it's about children. And I think that's why I felt compelled to go there no matter how much hate I'll get. Um, this is about children in this case. You know, that's what he was reporting on in the first place. And the BBC has been going after him ever since. And I think it's... Um, very telling of the times we're in with the elitist government and institutions that they seem to run. You know, it's uh, interesting that the BBC would appear to be running cover for a rape gang, considering they had a Jimmy Seville problem on their hands not too long ago with like systemic child abuse with links to the BBC. Um, but to bring it back to religion, I, I'm a traditional practicing Catholic. I'm, you know, I'm as trad life, I guess, as you can get in a practical sense, not the um, wearing 50s clothes and <laughs> red lipstick, but I'm literally a farmer who <laughs> grows her own food and, you know, and very traditionally Catholic, pro-life, raise three kids, whatever. But when I hear criticisms of the Catholic Church and the pedophile problem we have that goes right up to the top I'm grateful for the criticisms to be out in the air because to save my church, I want these people purged from it. I want this evil snake cut off at the head and out of my church. And I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy to point out that evil mm. and to say that it is not, it's not me. It's not in my pew, but it is in my church. It's an infestation and it has to go. That's not anti-Catholic bigotry. That's not anti-Catholic bigotry. It's just the facts, as sad mm -hmm. and as horrible as they are. So, And I, people are more than ready to talk about that in my church. But when we talk about another religion, that's bigotry, that's hate, that's racism. And as a Catholic, I can really see the double standard at work. There is a double standard. And I'm, I'm not Catholic. I grew up Protestant. I was raised Lutheran. I've been to a couple different denominations within the Christian faith, Christian faith. Uh, but same idea. I remember when, um, I'm sure you recall that horrible beheading that we had on the Greyhound bus. I don't yes. know, was that 2000? And... Yeah. Yes, yeah, just horrible experience. Um, I'm not remembering the year at this point. It was a while ago now. But I remember that when they had some kind of memorial after, there was that Westboro Baptist Church down in the States yes. that tried to get into Canada. I believe they stopped them at the border. They yes. were going to crash the memorial because they believed in their craziness that um, homosexual marriage and Canada allowing it was the evil that was spreading and God was punishing us by by having this horrible beheading occur, which of course is just out of control, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, a has nothing to do with the other. One is extremely, you know, it's very fundamentalist, very extremist. And of course, it's just really awful to try to go crash someone's funeral while they grieve their their horribly murdered son, you know, that's something that nobody could ever prepare themselves for. And this was just a huge event across Canada. And yeah. so, of course, you see something like that. And that doesn't represent Christianity. I'm sorry that I, I denounce that. That's disgusting. That's sick. Right. And yeah. same thing, like you said, when it comes to priests, um, any kind of pedophilia, these are children. Um, I do not condone it. And absolutely, somebody come forward and tell me. And, and it's the same if it's a friend or whatever, if it's something I'm doing. 
if you actually do want to see goodness move on, then yes, you would like the truth to come out. And ultimately, any extremist form of any religion or group or ideology can be so dangerous. And if you don't call it out, and if you just have to shush, shush, shush and never talk about it, what happens? Where does that lead? And why? Why are we not allowed to talk about it? And of course, there's a million theories that people have going around. And I think the worst part is the more that you tell people to shush about it, the more yeah. people are saying, why? Why are you telling me to stop talking about this? Because people, I don't know what you experienced, Sheila, but as a Christian, if I make it known on a video or I bring anything up, I can get mocked all day long. People can say Constantly. whatever they want about me. And it's it's fine. That's their right. That's freedom of speech. I don't ban them. I don't delete comments. But there is a hypocrisy. There is a double standard. And ultimately, any ideology should be allowed to be criticized. And I'm not entirely sure why, um, especially in Canada, where we have freedom of religion and we we do protect all religions equally why there has to be a separate one for this and unfortunately when you bring up anything of, of a concern even if you have empathy for the victims you're just an islamophobe and i'm i'm really i'm really sad again to see that that's happening because i'm seeing a lot of good people for example like that like i said those parents at the at the rallies i guess they go to every rally at, at, that tommy has and they're going to be lumped in with neo-nazis and white supremacists and really all they wanted was to not have their kids die in an unnecessary terrorist attack, which was based on extremist elements of a specific religion. So yes, you know, when it comes down to political Islam and everything else, um, no, we're not talking about everybody, but we have to address the fringe. We have to address the extremism. Like you said, it is the evil that is, it needs to be taken away. It needs to be kicked out of whatever. I, I, how did you say it? It's, it's not in your pew. It's in your, in the building, in your church. I like yeah. that. Um, that's yeah. a good way to put it. Um, now, speaking of keeping talking, um, you do have a YouTube channel. I've kept mm. you for 30 minutes and I know you are horrendously jet lagged and you <laughs> have some health challenges and, you know, there's probably an afternoon nap in your future. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, mine, yeah, maybe, maybe mine too. Who knows? Um, but I, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, let everybody know where they can find you because you have some, I think you are um, sort of an undiscovered gem in Canadian political YouTube. You, um, and I think you um, are undersubscribed for the quality of content you put out and the controversial issues that you aren't afraid to take on, like abortion and, and like redemption after abortion um, that you don't really see in other places, at really anywhere in Canadian YouTube. Um, so why don't you give everybody a chance to know where they can find you? Because I think they really need to find you. Well, thank you, first of all, for those very, very kind and encouraging words. Um, <laughs> try to live up to that uh, that lovely intro there. I, yeah, it can be found on YouTube, of course, um, just under Kelly Day. You can't miss me. I always tell people when you look up Kelly Day, there's me and some kind of Brazilian supermodel. I'm the not Brazilian supermodel. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, me sitting by a piano. You can't miss me. Um, I am on Twitter as well. Kelly R at Kelly R Day 19. I use that sort of in a different way. It's more my sarcasm outlet and I use it to promote my videos, but I don't get into too many big debates. Anything serious because I deal with these sorts of issues, I prefer to do as close to talking in person as possible, which is, of course YouTube is as good as you get until you actually meet someone. So just as a quick summary of what I do on my channel, uh, I am an ex what you would call leftist and I'm someone who walked away from the left and not just politically, but very much ideologically. I try to come at these sort of issues with a little bit of understanding from both sides so that we can have a bit more unity, but, but while still standing by, you know, my, my beliefs, my faith, everything else. So I'm trying to find that balance 
and give unique perspectives. I've had some interesting experiences in my young years um, that I'm hoping can bring some sort of, you know, value to people's lives. So please feel free to, you know, check out the channel. And I enjoy very much having good conversations with uh, people who show the intent to have a conversation in my comment section. I generally ignore those who clearly don't. And that's about it. So uh, right now I do have Facebook. I'm not really on it. So I won't you know, put that out. It's just more for political issues as I'm involved with the PPC here in Canada. So essentially YouTube and Twitter and I am writing more and more music and trying to put out some, you know, I do political commentary. I do a lot of interviews, uh, just trying to interview different people. I like to get their side of the story, the real firsthand account of maybe where someone's heart lies instead of just the nonsense you hear on the news. So that's kind of a bit about what I do and I appreciate you all taking the time to listen. So well, I hope everybody at home subscribes because you really do some fantastic work. Um, and I want to thank you for coming on the show today, being so very generous with your time. And uh, get some rest, Kelly. <laughs> thanks again for having me, Sheila. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. a little jet-lagged there, but she was firing on all cylinders. Now, we don't often see a lot of conservative performers, and it's not because we aren't creative or talented over here on the right side of the spectrum. The reason we don't see many open conservatives in Hollywood or in music is that the gatekeepers of their industry are all liberals, and conservative performers can easily be blacklisted and completely deplatformed for having quote-unquote, the wrong opinions. Sort of just like Tommy Robinson has been deplatformed by the liberal media establishment. So when Kelly speaks out the way she has, she's doing it at great risk to her career. She's a pretty brave lady, and it's so odd and counterintuitive that the performing arts are based on free expression, and yet now those in charge demand complete conformity. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next weekend. Remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. <laughs>